The information given and the discussion had in this podcast are not meant to be a substitute for any licensed mental health, medical, educational, or legal professional. Please reach out to any licensed professional who can better assist you. Welcome to the Life After 25 podcast. It's ghetto. We ain't asked to be here. Zero out of five would not recommend. That's cool though. We got you. Life After 25 is your guide through adulthood. It is the one hood we all have to travel through. So why not do it together? Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Hey, y'all. How you ladies doing? I was good until my glasses broke and now my throat is itching and now I got something in my eye. Wow. You still getting allergies this fall? I'm the bubble girl, so that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to pray for you. They was eating, somebody was eating shrimp in my, uh, the break room in my job and um, I was like, I smell it. Let me go make sure I got my EpiPen. I'm so hyped that I got an EpiPen now. Mm-hmm. Supposedly Walmart's been selling their EpiPens for mad cheap. Girl, I told you I got two of them for seven dollars. Seven dollars, like one, two, three, four, five, six. I told y'all, I did, what was it? Seven, seven dollars and change. I was, I called. I was like, I'm just checking to see how much it is. I know it's going to be expensive. She said seven dollars. I said I'm on my way. Hell yeah! I could have bought you a few too. <laughs> y'all, can I get a couple more? The fuck? Mm, that's, it was so dope. How are you guys? How are you feeling? What's the mood? What's the mood? Um, I have been on, it's been like an up and down day. So first of all, I was very excited because my little baby turned six whole months today. I can't even believe it. Time is flying. Um, so that was good. But then I'm having so many problems in this apartment. I'm just so over it. We're ready to move. We're ready to break the lease. It's just been a lot. Adulting is ghetto and what's even more ghetto is when you have when you're living someplace and you pay on time every month and not a cheap amount either Mm. your stuff to not be working this is ghetto so i wrote a very professional letter you know adulting (laughs) and we're gonna get this solved one way or another so it's been like Lots of ups and downs today. So I've been super duper busy. Oh, and Levi ate some sweet potatoes today. Did he like the sweet potatoes? Not really. He kept Oh, wow. <laughs> See, you got to get him what he's been waiting for. The bananas, honey. The applesauce. <laughs> but you're going to give him something hearty that's going to keep him full. The fruit not going to keep him full for too long. Yeah, but yeah. kids love those sweet behind fruits. But you know what? Maybe mm-hmm. after you mm-hmm. test out all the food, maybe you need to mix the sweet potato with something. So that's what I was thinking. But you mm. have to first test out the food yeah. to make sure that he's not allergic to anything. So yeah, that's it's, it's going to be part. a minute before we can do the mixed foods. He might be like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a minute before we can mix the foods. And then also something not so sweet because then I don't want him to like start off with something sweet. And then I try and introduce a vegetable and he's like, ma'am. Uh-uh. He's like, ma'am, get these peas out my face. <laughs> yeah. So, Ew, yeah. baby. Uh, you sweet know potatoes what? are nasty too. I'm about to say, but it also, I know that you're right now, you have a lot on your plate, but it's probably also how it was made. Like who's to say they made it good. Oh my gosh. Uh, 
I mean, there you can't put anything in it though. You can only have the sweet potatoes and that's it. Yeah. Not gonna be they don't good. get no seasoning, no nothing. It, Girl, you know, right kids no. take a while to develop them allergies. They want them eating like bare minimum of everything. Bare, like mm. it's it was literally the the sweet potatoes that I got them were organic, no like no GMO, just sweet potatoes and water. Yes. That's it. And they're like certain foods they don't even suggest kids eat until like yeah. they get older. Like what peanuts? Yeah, because peanut allergies peanuts. are very prevalent in kids. Yeah. Shellfish, um, also, yeah, shellfish and honey. You can't. Yeah, they could like die from that. Isn't that? I crazy? did not know that until I read the uh, the my um my baby book. Yeah. I found that honey? a couple years ago. Yeah, I was I, for some weird reason I was researching local honey and I just came across that article. But okay, all right, go ahead, Miss Encyclopedia. Oh, it's wow. crazy. It's really crazy. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm doing okay. I think I'm the only one who didn't answer just yet. I'm doing perfectly fine. Um, I had my self-care Sunday. So didn't do much. I worked out this morning and that's about it. I've just been chilling. Um, meal prepped. This is the last week of the whole 30. Speak for yourself. Ooh. That's a personal problem on your end. You should have started when I you started. I hate it here. Listen. That is another uh, another trial that I had to face today because one of my um, old students, her dad makes the, they are the best cinnamon rolls. They're so good that he actually has a contract with the, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and he makes cinnamon rolls for them. These cinnamon rolls are the best cinnamon rolls I've ever had in my life. And he made an apple streusel cinnamon roll Surprise dropped it off at my house for the, Mm, mm, mm. he literally knocked on my door. I opened the door and I just see them on my step. Mm, And mm, I can't mm. even have it. Can't even have it. What that sounds like you should do. You know who could have some? Just quitting. Mm -hmm. Now Levi just quitting. (laughs) You and Levi just looking at him like, "Uh, uh, uh, look at this. Pissed. Levi was pissed too. He got- <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you know what that sounds like you should do? It sounds like you should order some more. You should send some to me and Renee so we can just, you know, see how I'm just good saying that's really what good are. friends would do. Just freeze them and send them. Cause I feel like in my heart, you're saying they're the best, but I want to taste it for myself. Because no, good I, friends I, would I send really it to should. us. You're mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. When you no, when you guys come and visit me, oh, that's the catch. We gotta wait. Oh wow, it's <laughs> <laughs> always the catch. It's always the catch. Cinnamon rolls. This is crazy. I'm telling, but I'm telling you, they are the best cinnamon rolls you will ever have. In- oh, Shout wow. out to Tin Pan KC. Look them up online. You will not be disappointed. I does he deliver? He does deliver. All right, copy that. He at least. Oh no. I got oh, wow. <laughs> but he's really sweet too and their daughter is like the sweetest child she was one of well i'm not i'm a teacher so i don't have favorites but if i did have favorites (laughs) she would be one of my favorites you did okay if If you you did did. if i did (laughs) she's not saying she has favorites Uh all right let's get now we don't talk so much about food this is crazy And this is the wrong episode for that. Wrong episode. Anyway. And we all just hungry. I know. So let's get into our black boy joy. Okay. 
Black Girl Magic, Black Boy Joy. Today is Black Boy Joy. Um, I want to talk about a financial advisor. His name is Kareem Farnham. He's an African-American financial advisor who is currently building himself up in his own independent financial firm. Prior to becoming a financial advisor, he was a registered nurse. Kareem is also known as the financial guy. He is fully aware of how easy it is to be stuck in a financial rut. He will be joining us later to discuss different ways to build up your finances and to have that financial freedom we all desire. Um, I know Kareem personally. He is actually my financial advisor. And I will honestly say he is like one of the best, very attentive, very caring, and very informative. So if you are looking to get a financial advisor or to find a financial advisor, Kareem would probably be the best. And he, like I said, he will be here to talk to us a little later. So all the financial questions you guys have asked us, any financial thoughts sum up, he is the perfect person to answer that. I'm very excited to talk to him because after, for me at least, I would say after 25 is when I really started focusing on my finances. I used to be very free with my finances. Like, my bills will wait until I got my weave done. (laughs) (laughs) My finances, very much Tony Childs in the, I love designer, I love weave, I love all that, but don't got a, a penny to show for it. But I changed that a lot because the way that my credit was looking, the way that these student loans were looking, I wasn't able to do anything. We can get into all that. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely see the benefits of having a financial advisor. I I know I've spoken to Dom and I've probably spoken to Lorena about this a few times. So I've kind of a few years ago wanted to start learning about the stock market and how to do, you know, the do and figure it out. But, you know, I'm not that bright. And I'm not that smart. And I know people who do, who do the financial market says it's not, it's really easy. I don't got the patience. I don't have the time. So to have someone that is very trustworthy, who, like I said, communicates very well, have that person kind of manages your finances and, you know, teaches you. Cause it's not like he just sit here and be like, give me your money. He really sits there <laughs> and teaches. He will literally, he teaches me every time we'll have a sit down or we'll be on the phone and he'll be like, Renice this is going to do this. And this is what we're going to do next. And da, 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 da. And I swear to God, I call that man in two weeks and be like, I don't know what she was talking about. Can we go over it again? <laughs> so just to, you know, have a financial advisor that you can really speak to that give you that one-on-one attention and just, you know, get your finances in order because, you know, I will say I've been blessed. I learned a lot about financial awareness. I, I became financial aware because of my mother and she was very strict about like what to do with my finances and what to do with my credit score. But just being around my friends and learning how they wasn't quite privy to a lot of things or they made some financial mistakes made me realize how this is really a big thing, especially among our generation, the millennials. I don't, we don't know what we're doing. We really yeah, don't know what we're don't doing. don't know what we're doing. And I think a big part of it is we're told, you know, go to college, go to college, 
go to college. You have to go to college. So we're 18, 17, 18, 19 years old, going, um, accepting all these loans, private loans, federal loans to go to college, expensive universities, not knowing as soon as we get out, there's not really, you know, the job market, especially by the time we went to college, the job market was not popping. It was not. Even now, it's still hard to get out of college and, and get a very good job, enough to pay, what, three, four hundred a month just in student loans. When you're not taught how to manage money well, it's very overwhelming. And it's easy to get caught up in schemes like loans for school or credit cards and stuff like mm-hmm. that because you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, $300, there are people who are paying $1,000. Oh, uh-huh. mom! Uh-huh. Crazy <clears throat> student loans. No, that's but it's, it's real. And they gotta catch my ass. That's really it's really a scam because, um, not to like put too much of my business out, but I have a master's degree. My husband didn't go to college. Instead, he went to the military and picked up a trade, and he makes more money than I do, and not just like a couple thousand, like. He's making more money than me. Isn't that crazy? I should have took With my motherfucking medicine. ass to community college for two years, then transferred to a state school and not had any loans. But I wanted to go to school. But then it's also like, you know, the influence of the community, your parents. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to do that well, stuff. And it was pushed upon us. Let's be real, because... You know, I know I, I can't speak for a lot of states. I'm from New York originally. New York City are known for their CUNY and SUNY universities, so city universities and state universities. And in the 60s and in the 70s, city universities were free, you know, and they had so many other um ways to get people into school for free. My mom went to a state university in New York as an undergrad, and she didn't pay a dime, she didn't pay a lick. It was free for her. So you know, you have your parents who either went to college or your parents who didn't go to college who was pushing it. I think that was that was the gimmick for like all our parents who have parents who have millennial children. They pushed college on you. And I, I see it now, even with the parents, when um I talk to some of my clients, my young teenagers, their parents are pushing college on them. And them te- let me tell you, them teenagers are smart. So I can't say smart. anything. I can't say anything because I'm the, the therapist. So I want them to figure it out on themselves. But one of my teenagers is like, Mm, now I'm not going to college. I'm gonna go do my trade. Then I'm probably gonna be a YouTube star. And a part they of me was like, "Smart, you smart, you smart." But I really couldn't say you smart. I just was like, "Well, mm. let's weigh out the pros and cons." They probably be looking at us like we see why they're complaining. Y'all be doing at at couldn't be me. I see y'all later. Let me do this little TikTok dance right here. I'm shoo shoo mm-hmm. shoo my way into some coins, honey. But I mean, if the pandemic hasn't taught us anything, it really should have taught us that college degrees don't mean security. They dusty, they raggedy. They can take them back, to be honest. Like, or no, I don't, I take that back. I don't want to say that they can take it back because I do enjoy my career and I wouldn't be able to do my career without a degree. But I know with my son, we're already saving for his college. So I'm- That's crazy. If I'm going to press college on him and like have that as an expectation, I'm also going to have the means for him to go. And you know like what? Someone to do that, to, to press college and then be like, oh, but you have to take out a hundred thousand dollars in loans to get there. Yeah. Someone even said this to me because I kind of get where Lorena's coming from. Um, 
for the, for the most part, most of my close friends, we utilize our degrees, but there are so many people who don't use their degrees. So you have this, this degree and whatever you have it in and you're not even using it. So you're right. You can take it back. I'm not even using this stuff. So I, I can get what she's coming from because there's so many people who went to college, got a degree in X, Y, and Z, and they're not even using it. They got a whole different career. And I think one of the crazy points should be, even if you aren't using your degree, you shouldn't still be in debt for all your life because you decided not to use a degree. You done spent, what, a couple hundred thousand dollars on it. It shouldn't put you in debt to not use it. I feel like people should be able to go get multiple bachelors or masters or PhD and not sit here and be like, hmm, I'm going to pay for it. Mm, I'm going to owe Uncle Sam until the day I die. Isn't that crazy? That is, because I can't even move forward with what I want to do in my career because I will go back to school and I'm not paying. I'm, I'm already in debt, school debt. I don't, I don't got time. School shouldn't, school shouldn't be based on how much money you have. It should really be based on your smarts and your merit. Um, I don't think that it should cost as much as it does, but like a lot of things in America, college became a business. That's yes. so expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really not fair. It became one big business and they pretty much sell you a lie. And it is a lie. You don't need to go to college to be successful. My husband is uh, is proof of that. Cardi B is I'm proof. The one who's sitting here in ninety thousand dollars in debt, and he has none. Listen, I already told y'all my plan. I ain't got time for all this in-debt stuff. Worst come to worst, I'm cashing out my retirement. I'm going to get my body done. I'm dropping a mixtape. I'm going on love and hip-hop. I'm fucking somebody, rapper, boyfriend, and that's going to be it. I don't have time for this no more. You got all these young... Don't you get jealous looking at young, like the rapper girlfriends and all that? They are living their life debt-free, happiness. Birkin bags. Birkin bags. bags. Well, I'm sitting here looking stupid, clocking in every day. I <laughs> hate it here. It's yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to come up. Bar- looking stupid can barely get a coach. Bar- looking bag. stupid. And they got Birkins. Child, what you do for that Birkin? Nothing. I just, I'm telling y'all, listen, if anything go wrong in my life, I'm turning into a life of crime and BBLs. I'm going to sell flat tummy tea, waist trainers. Mm-hmm. Y'all better hop on the bandwagon now. All right, ladies. So um, we're going to transition into our guest speaker, which is Kareem Farnham. And we're going to talk more about financial awareness. We have a few questions for him. And basically how we all can be better with our finances, because that's always that's always the game. That's I'm always about game. my business plan to see if he agrees to it. Okay. I'm, I'm can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> hey, so we have the financial guy, Mr. Kareem Farnham. He is here to provide us with all our financial needs. So first things first, we like to do mental health check-ins. How you doing today? Doing phenomenal. Can't complain. Had a really great day, really great weekend. So uh, it was phenomenal. That's Thanks for good. asking. How about yourself? We all do. We all just making it. Just making it. Hopefully it gets better today, right? So that's that's the focus today, right? So uh, yeah, hopefully it gets better today. Any of you ladies want to answer how you've been? I'm struggling. My sure. eyes are itching, my glasses are broke. 
I'm telling you, man, that's what happens when you come for work. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> You're right. It's that damn job. I thought it was me and my allergies. It was the job. You're right. You're right. Hey, you. Don't worry. It's never you. Don't worry. Period. Never oh, me. I like this man. I like this man. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. Um, so we were really just talking about like how prior to 25, some of us made some, you know, questionable financial mistakes. We were just literally having a conversation about the biggest mistake we all three can agree on that we made was going to college, getting into college debt. Um, so before we get into any questions, do you want to kind of give a brief synopsis? I know I did it in the beginning of the episode of um, who you are, sure, what you sure. do. Absolutely. So um, all right, for, for those who don't know me, I know um, greetings to everyone who's always tuning in today. Uh, um, it's an honor to be here um, to get to know oh, you guys wow. and like hope and, and instill you some, some great information. Hopefully today you leave with some great information uh, and, and it moves you to do something, right? Um, to give you some guaranteed growth. Okay. So um, um, prior to, uh, so pretty much I've been in finance field a little over four years and uh, prior to the business, uh, you know, running in finance, I was actually a registered nurse. So this wasn't actually something I set up, right? It was kind of like it ran into each other. So um, how it happened was, um, you know, as a nurse, even though I was doing really good and I was, you know, making some decent income, I was making over six figures. I just didn't feel fulfilled. You know, I was, I was running along the line, a cycle, just kind of like living life and just, you know, following the same train as everybody else following, jumping on. And I just, I felt like, I didn't know, I was kind of empty inside, a little void was happening. And, you know, I think we all kind of have that talent, that feeling when, when you realize, okay, this is, this is probably it. I'm not sure if I want to do this. Um, but because I invested so much time, I just felt like I didn't know how to leave, right? So that's sometimes we have, we all have, we always have sometimes when, when, we, when we invest so much time in something, we believe that this is where we want to be. And you can't leave it because, you know, that's what we do. So I, I didn't know what else to do, um, but uh, I just knew I wanted to change. So uh, I was doing a lot of soul searching and, and I came across someone who spoke, you know, very highly about, you know, the area of finance. And I just thought to myself, man, I, that's not something I'm going to do because you know, I, I'm not really good in finance. I'm not a financial guy. Right. Um, I, I, I do nursing. And I just kept on saying that to myself because I, I didn't want to look for anything else. Um, but after a while, they followed with me and, and, and it talked to me, coached me, as, you know, as a mentor. And, and pretty much I just got really good. Uh, I, you know, just saying, okay, no problem. Okay. <laughs> and I just did it. Right. And eventually I did it. Um, it was, it was a life changing moment for me. Right. I didn't think this was going to happen, but, uh, since then, I, um, you know, prior to doing that. So I started working part-time, making a strong part-time income. I know some people today probably talking about okay, how you get into business. I definitely want to share with you how I did that. Right. And then from that point on, I was able to transition from being into um, you know, working, being self-employed to running a business to now having 24 licensed professionals working in my organization. We are pretty much in um, working in, in, in six states and we're looking to move and expand in 24 months to try to be in all 50 states. That's the focus, right? So, you know, that's, that's the goal and hopefully that make, you know, and that's pretty much where I'm at today. Um, that's yeah. good. That's good. I thank you for that synopsis. I thank you for that information. You know, um, it's funny that you mentioned being a registered nurse and then transitioning to the financial field, because that's something we was just talking about, like getting these degrees and not actually using the, the degree that we got. And um, just to hear how you flipped it and was like, okay, I'm not using this degree, but I'm also, you build yourself up and you're building up your own um, business. So that's amazing. That's great. The dope thing was where you said you're, you kept telling yourself, I do nursing. I do nursing. I have put the time in basically. But you sat there and decided, I might as well do it. 
that's really dope to sit there and be invested in your current career, but still be able to have the ability to take the leap of faith and jump into something you had no idea about. Cause you even said yourself, you're like, okay, I'm not that good at finances. Why would I do that? Right. I I guess it worked out. Yeah. And taking that leap of faith is hard. I know a lot of our listeners as well as us being here. Um, I know, um, we all have dibbled and dabbled into doing some type of entrepreneurship and taking that leap can be very, very scary. I actually just had a conversation with one of my cousins today about that. And she is like really nervous about taking that leap of creating her own business. And it's really easy to get stuck into that. Oh, I can't do that. I'm this, I'm this. And, you know, I think that's just, that's fantastic. I hope that was motivational and inspirational for some of the, some of our viewers or listeners, I should say. Wow. Yeah, me too. I hope so. Hopefully that helped out. If not, hopefully some got some questions, and uh, we're looking definitely to uh, uh, you know bring out some, some insights to people. Yeah. Okay. So one of the first questions, one of our listeners wrote this on our Facebook page. They stated that I have a term life insurance policy, but I'm told a whole life policy is better. Is this true? If so, how do I go about changing it? Okay, that's a great question. You know, I usually run into a lot of people and, you know, one of the challenges people have today is that um, when it comes to finance, there's so much ambiguity, right? Um, Where it's like so much knowledge and it's like less information that really matters, right? And you hear so much things about it, like what I'm going to do, right? And I think um, we all can attest to that. I was registered to nurse. I mean, I I made it six figures, right? Yet I didn't know what my retirement looked like. I didn't know how much I need to do for a safe retirement. I didn't know how how I'm spending my money. It was just kind of going one place to the next place. So um, to kind of answer that question, to get more um, in in tune, I would say, first off, I always ask the person when I'm sitting down with, right, when I'm coaching a student, I'll ask, what's the purpose of getting insurance, right? First, you got to identify what the purpose is. And when, when I say identify the purpose, a lot of times people think they understand the purpose, right? But it's actually very simple. And what I would say to people, when you get insurance, life insurance, right, is it something that you get um, for their insurance purposes or are you getting it for the savings? And what most people would say to me, well, I'm getting it for the insurance. So I say, well, why would you have savings? Why would you, why would you have a savings component to it? Why don't you just, and they would say, oh, I'm getting for insurance, but I want the savings. I said, why don't you save on your own? Well, why is, why is this important to know? Because when people have insurance, well, what, people, what, what insurance companies really don't want you to know is how to be self-insured how to eliminate the need for self-insurance in life insurance. So how do we do that is by disconnecting the two, right? You don't want to have insurance for all your life because then you're paying premiums for the rest of your life. They could invest that money. You want to have it for a period of time that if God forbid something happens to you, your family's covered. But after a while, right, you want to have a plan, a strategy that you can save money over time. So how do you do that? So we teach people how to get term and it's just term insurance. We, you know, I, I wholly believe in term insurance because term insurance um, gets you to the game plan of having you be well insured. Right. Um, because what happens is when, you know, we look at cost per thousand for insurance is a dollar per thousand. You're not getting a lot of insurance when you get permanent insurance. Right. Which is called whole life. Right. Um, and then when you have um, a component, which is the cash value, you, you only can use it as a as a loan. You can't really keep it. It's not your money. So you can only borrow that money. So what we do is we separate the two. Right. You, you actually have your own money, your own investment, right? your own savings. And you have the insurance is separated. Now, the challenge is this, though. What's worse than having you know, insurance for your whole life. Right. It's having insurance and not having some savings put it. So when I hear people who have term insurance and they don't have a savings plan to it, 
um, you know, I can see why they can be upset. Because after 10, 20, 30, 40 years, if there's no money saved, guess what will happen? You're going to need more insurance. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, why is it people are not being educated about this? Well, because you got people who are not educating people about what you do, right, properly. And I think that's where the biggest challenge is coming from. So we talk about showing people how to become educated because the educated consumers are the best consumers, right? We believe that wholeheartedly if people are taking the time to learn about what they have, right, it's easier for them to make decisions. Right. So hopefully that makes sense. Right. So we so it's just kind of recap. Right. So, you know, we separate the two. Right. Um, not only term insurance is created equal. You want to look at the type of insurance you have. Right. Review them. All right. But you want to separate the two. You don't want to have insurance within savings and savings with insurance. Separate the two. You have it for a period of time until you become self-insured. OK, so that makes sense. That makes sense. And and. Just for clarity, for those who got a little, probably a little lost, it sounds like term life insurance is, is most likely best for that, that listener from what they're asking, the question they're asking rather than a whole life. If they have the of, savings. If they have the savings attached to the term life because it becomes, it, it comes out better. Right. Okay. So, so just to kind of reiterate, so yeah, so term insurance and then you have an investment all savings on the side. So separate the two and have a, uh, and, and review your insurance. So when you, not only you just have the term insurance, it's because not all, again, term, all term insurance is not for equal. You want to take a time and review the insurance to see what type of insurance you have and see if it's appropriate for your situation. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I have a good job. However, I still struggle with saving. Do you have any suggestions or tips for those of us who want to save more? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, and usually when I, when I think about that, I kind of replay it back in my mind when I first got started making a lot of money. One of the challenges I always had was when I was making a lot of money that I was spending it right away. Right. I think that was a huge challenge for me because at the end of the day, you know, you, you start thinking to yourself, man, like I have so much money. Right. And you, you start falling you know, into the trends of what's happening in today's society, right? All the problems, right? The flashy lifestyles. So typically when I, when I usually hear that, right? I usually ask, you know, I talk to my student, I tell them, I said, usually, um, you know, when it comes to saving, it's usually based on a mindset, right? It's usually characterized by your mindset, the way you think about saving. Um, and you, you really look at, you peel the onion back down, right? So it's usually based on two major categories. One, it's, it's pretty much what you, um, you know, the, your lifestyle you live, Right. And two is pretty much the, the weight, your income, right? How much income you bring in. And a lot of times what we find is that people always like to be living above their means. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we just, just be, let's put it how it is. We, 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 you know, we live in New York, we live in different places. And what happens is no matter what you do, you find that most people today, they always find a way where at any, at any time, at a given time, they look at on Facebook, they see on, on Instagram, man, I want a lifestyle like that. And they spend a lot of money and spending a lot of money. It may it seem good off in the beginning. Right. But you start realizing I'm not saving anything. Everything mm-hmm. is being gone, right? So, so how do we fix that? Well, then, then what happens is, you know, you know, I always tell people, I said, first off, you want to get really good at building your mindset, right? You know, being around people who you know constantly is talking about saving and putting your money, right? So the mindset starts with everything you start putting in your mind. So I'll start first, I'll start telling them read books about, you know, savings and invest, investing, right? Because it starts to give them that thrill and, you know, inspiration to keep going, right? To do something different. Um, you know, a habit is created in 21 days, right? So you can't focus on a habit right away. You got to focus on what you do first in your mind. So a man starts that and then, then you, you physically start everything else. Then I would tell them, you want to start paying yourself first. You want to condition yourself to start paying yourself first when you have money. 
See, the challenge is when you look at money, right, we, we, we categorize it as, okay, I'm going to pay all my bills, right? But we don't take, a, take us as a bill. It, you should be a bill for yourself, right? I need to pay myself. I like that mindset. Right? And if you pay yourself, right, when you have that concept, right, yeah, you're going to go on the trips. Yeah, you know, you're going to have a lifestyle, right? But I say if, if you want that lifestyle, then you need to make the income. Okay. Um, if you're not making the income, don't, then you can't fight on, on a lifestyle. See, you, you can make money, you can make excuses. You just can't do both. Right. Mm. So, so the focus is you got to teach, you know, people got to learn how to build a mindset for this thing when the coal comes savings. And once they do that, it, it's, it's endless, right? It's just like anything else. Mm, that was a, I like the, the little metaphor. You yeah. can what you say? Say that, that little quote real quick. <laughs> that was a read. That was a read. It was a read. I was saying pretty much you can make excuses or you can make money. You just can't do both. Period. I'm yeah. saying that to people. When you get on my nerves, you can make excuses, but you can you make making money. excuses right now, but you're not making money. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I'm someone who's, who struggles with that. And I, I think, you know, hearing you say it, I know we've talked about this also privately, but hearing you actually say it again in that way that you said it, it just like a, a light went off in my head. Like <laughs> sometimes you, you do make excuses and you do have to sit here and pay and remind yourself that you have to pay yourself. You, you are a bill. And that's rather if you're saving to have savings in your savings account or if you're saving for a big purchase or whatever purchase, you know, that is something that is really, really useful and mindful. I have a friend who she, when she gets ready to start saving a lot, what she does is she buys financial books. She has a journal. She really does get into, shout out to Kita. She really does get into that mindset. And when she says, okay, my goal is to save this amount by this time for like an emergency savings, you could like, she embodies that. So I definitely do believe that that's a good, good. Yeah. That's dope. You said, who's that? Kita? My friend Kita. Yeah. Um, I just think it's dope because usually it's it's easy to say, just save, just do this, just do this. But I've never heard anybody say, get yourself into that mindset first. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it is it is hard to get into that mindset. Very hard. Right. right. So our next question. Oh, this is a good one. And it's very, um, yes, this is a good one. <laughs> I think we are all at an age or coming to the age where we want to purchase um, either our homes, condos, or property, what type of loans should we be looking at to purchase these things? And how should we go about it? Great question. Um, you know, as we get into the part of savings, right? So this is kind of like a transition phase. So, that, so everything I'm saying, I'm hoping that you already saved, okay? Um, but, you know, that's a great question because I think one of the biggest um deal right in terms of ownership is buying homes today right i think a lot of people love um you know purchasing multiple homes and, and, and you know just the thrill of having your own thing right it's being your home it's, it's so exhilarating so you know i can only imagine what it feels like when someone has you know who's first gotten their home right and it's so excited about it and um there is some kind of there is some things you want to consider when buying a home right there is different types of loans right um but everything falls back to one thing Right, and I always say this to every person, all my students, is based on your unique situation, your your unique circumstance. Because there's different loans, but each loan is categorized to your circumstances. Right, what what will make sense for you? So if you just go into a couple of loans, I'm not going to you know be too detailed. This you can have a whole I hope you can have a whole lecture about this all on itself on its own, right? But just kind of give you an idea, some things to consider. There's something called fixed rate um, conventional loans. 
And those loans are typically what's common today where most people purchase because it's, it's a fixed rate. You know, people love it, right? It's, you know, they, they understand their payments is, um, you know, it's monthly payments is going to be set, right? And, and they love it because it's, it's something that typically uses um, people, you know, purchase you know, their first time homes, right? Um, and usually that's what most people really know, right? Most people really know any other loans out there um, when it comes to that. And with this particular loan, um, you know, it's it, it usually de depends on your credit, right? All, all these loans are dependent on your credit, but this one is, you know, it focuses a lot on, a, on your credit stricter more than most loans or most companies, most things, right? And um, another loan is called adjustable rate mortgage loan, right? And it's called ARM for short, right? And what ARM it simply means it's it's the exact opposite from conventional, right? It's not it's 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 flexible, right? So it can adjust based on the market. Um, so it's usually given for people who are trying to buy a home, but they're not keeping their home for long. But they may keep it for maybe a year or two, right? And if they're keeping it for a year or two, they focus in on just making sure that you know all those you know. <clears throat> Maybe they're probably selling the home, buying, flipping, selling houses, right? Um, so they may have that purpose or, uh, or many other purposes for that process. But some people who do that, or they just want to pay off their payments on time, right? So they, you know, they, I mean, not on time, excuse me, fast sooner than later, right? So on, then an average homeowner, right? They probably want to pay maybe in three, four or five years. So what happens is they're given a fixed rate for a period of time, and then it changes to an adjustable loan where it, it, it adjusts based on the market. Then you got um, USDA loans. And USDA loans is really cool because, you know, you don't have to put no money down. These are the two loans. Most loans, you have to put money down. But USDA loans, you're good at that because you can put zero down. Um, it's very affordable. Um, even when you, you know, you put the, you know, you end up looking at your overall price with everything. Usually people love this because you, you most people really don't know about the USDA loans, right? And those are, you know, it's kind of inspired by, um, you know, private, um, you know, classes that people have and people um, getting involved into or apps or you may hear that from that, those particular areas, but really a lot of people are not touching that because it's just not, they're not aware of it. And I would say it's a really good asset, um, but it's focused on suburban areas, urban is uh, um, suburban areas. So things, you know, places that, you know, it's, it was in the suburb, suburbs, right? Um, where they give you that down payment, things that are growing up and, and, and getting, um, you know, getting that value back up, right? Um, then another thing, right, is VA loans. So VA loans is military loans, right? You know, that's of course great. Um, VA loans are typically used for only people, obviously, in military. So if you've been in the military, that's it's a really good, good asset to you because it gives you a lot of discounts, a lot of opportunities, right? I say that's right, and um, of course you got FHA, FHA, FHA loans, and what those are um, is, is another government loan, right? Um, but one of the great things about these particular loans that it's, it's focused on lower on people who have a lower credit score. So if you know if you're, you're a type of person that right now you, you have you know you're still building your credit, trying to figure out things right, and you still want to buy a home immediately, you probably want to look into this. Why? Because this is a great opportunity where you can still get it. Um, of course, it's going to be a little bit higher rate than normal, right? So 3.5, you know, you can see a little more, you know, effect, um, increase in rate. But the thing is, it's great because, you know, this, you know if you want your home, this, you can use this, right? And you got jumbo loans. So jumbo loans, um, and, and, you, you know, and, it's, and it's so many different loans um, to deal with, right? Um, but it all, again, depends on your unique circumstance. So I would say, you know, what you want to do is you want to sit down with, when you're thinking about buying a house, um, of course, you want to have a real estate um, either an agent or broker or someone who's with you and if, if you really don't want to do the work yourself and um, you, you want to spend make you want to make sure that all the other criteria are set in place right in motion for you whatever you're trying to do whether it's the money or right 
and then take the time to determine which situation you're in so you can see which one is the best situation for you to, to um, in terms of loan to obtain. Okay, that was very informative. I know a few of our listeners are probably looking at homes. Like I said, a lot of us either after 25, or even some people before 25 are looking at owning property, getting homes. So do you think those loans, I know that you listed it, you listed a few of them and they focus more on probably housing. What if you want to buy property? A property? Like yeah. Commercial property? Like, so yeah, like commercial property or yeah, commercial property. Commercial property. Yeah. So again, um, you can get it from private um, mortgage loans. You get like private mortgage loans and you can do that as well. It, it all depends on, again, circumstances, right? Because people use private property, but then you want to live in a private property, right? So again, it's always a unique situation. I would say f- easiest way to, to identify that. So you don't get confused about so many loans or so many things, right? You want to first identify your situation. Um, uh, and prevent the case to uh, a, a real estate agent, a real estate broker, right? And of course, your financial advisor. And, um, and, and you know, and you also want to have your tax person involved, right? The, you know, these are people who are going to be helping you uh, alleviate the stress of um, having to pay a bunch of taxes on certain things, right? And, and not, not knowing what you're doing. And of course, saving more money over time because you're owning a home. So um, when you do that, you, you, you kind of narrow down. Um, which particular loan it was because I can definitely go on. This is again, this is a great topic. Um, but you know, because of uh, so much variety of loans and, and your circumstances can be so different, unique, it, it's a very uh, a great topic to talk about, but it's also unique to our situation. Okay, thank you, thank you. I have a question How much do you charge? Oh, wow, charge? That's a good question. Um, so when it comes to charge, so the great thing about this is that, um, I work with strategic partners. So, um, what I do is I kind of bring, um, I'm like the, I think of as an investment, a a financial team, right? So I'm the person who kind of breaks down the information and, and then those are, there's people who I work closely with who, if you were trying to get in front of them, right, you probably won't because you don't have the capital, the information or everything. So I connect with a bunch of people so you can make it, like, think of it like a discount, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily, I, you don't have to pay me, right? I actually, I, I don't charge no monetary fee. I actually get paid by the people who I pretty much represent to help um, build connections to, to, to um, when it comes to discounts or everything to people. So to essentially, let's say, for instance, you say, hey, Kareem, you know, I, I want to learn more about how to invest, Right. So I would talk about different ways how you invest and where you want to be and where your objectives are, what your goals are. And through that process. Right. I can kind of connect you to the right person for your situation. Right. Break it down to you, Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, um, investment is, you know, I always talk about investment as a team, right? You want to have an investment team. You just don't want to be a one-man sell because if you try to do that, man, God forbid the person passed away, right? <laughs> so you want to, you have a team so we connect them and they have a specific specialty within that area that is categorized on making sure that perform at a high level. That's okay. Hopefully, hopefully that answer your question. So, so to answer your question, it's no monetary fee for me. Um, I, I get paid through the companies I represent um, and on, on top of it, um, it all depends on you know, what you want, what service you are trying to get. Okay. That's good. So those who are out there who want a financial advisor, remember what he said, mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't got to pay him. You know, I'll give you an example, right? Um, so this is how powerful this is, right? So if you were going to Wall Street, 
right? You want to sit down with someone. They can charge you somewhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars just to get a, um, just to get education, right? What we call, which is like a consultation, right? These days, right? Consultation just to get educated, informed about um, this information. Um, they can charge you this amount, right? Whereas here, you know, you know, you can, you know, we, we like to come, you know, bring Wall Street to our Main Street people, right? Which is us to learn and empower themselves so they can start improving their current situation, right? So, you know, you don't, we want to make sure that they're still good because we know people, you know, obviously can't um, afford someone who's in Wall Street. So we, we, we actually put a plan where we don't have to do that, right? We can actually have our strategic partners take care of that stuff. And it's actually really interesting how you say that because um, the way I look at it is like, you know, we all win together, right? Because if you make money, they make money, right? And if they make money, you all make money because I did not make money, right? <laughs> so it's all, it's all, you're all working together. Well, I like a that. Quick little side question. Do you see, or do you have a lot of black people who you, like young black people who, you know, they're seeking a financial advisor and they're trying to, you know, just see what they can do different? I would say, I would love that because mm-hmm. you know, I would love to change the, the course of where our generation is going when, when it comes to education and finance. I think a lot of times um, people make so much money. And even when you look at all the celebrities today, a lot of them, you know, people go broke. And it's not because, you know, they, you know, didn't have the money, just didn't have the mindset. It goes back to, you know, you, you, can, you can put yourself in a vehicle, right, um, where there's Mercedes or Latin Dragwa, but if you don't know how to drive, you ain't going nowhere. Doesn't matter how fast it goes. So um, a lot of times when I look at you know our generation, I would love to, but the challenge is you know it's it's you know are they mature enough to actually take the moment and sit down with us, right? Are they mature enough to do this? I'm not saying they're not, right? Many people mm-hmm. are not, but I'm saying most of the you know what I find most people today, 18 year olds and 19 year olds, they're really not looking at this, right? They're not looking at this as serious as they should. I would think so because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as much as you make money, you want to keep as much as you make, but that's not how it works. Right. I think, you know, if it, it all depends on the upbringing, um, you know, what, what people are instilling into them and seeing if this is important to them, usually you find out somewhere between 25 and, and like you said, I asked the 25 is when all the responsibilities start hitting. So they start realizing, okay, I got to start learning these things. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. I think people 18 and, under 25 should definitely be looking at this. And I can attest under 25. I didn't even Child, I ain't know nothing. What? I got money. I'm about to spin it. Where y'all want to yeah. go? Where we going? Listen, we're, we're going to We're going to Barnaby's. Oh, wow. Barnaby's. <laughs> it's happy hour. What's up? We're going to yeah. Springfield Mall. <laughs> Damn, I'm getting these bundles, okay? <laughs> uh, I bundles. No. Like, I changed clothes. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes, we know. Under 25, a lot of us were just unsure about a lot of things. Going into, going into that, um, a question that was written was, how should you go about starting a business while still in some type of debt? I think that's a good question because like I said earlier, we're all trying to be entrepreneurs right now. And I see a lot of entrepreneurship within the this generation, rather it be millennials or I don't know who you're calling the millennials. I don't know what they're called after millennials, but I see a lot of people. I think it's Gen Z. Gen Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm bugging. I knew that. Um, (laughs) So how do you start your own business even when you have debt, such as student loans, credit card debt, any type of debt? That's a great question. Man, I wish most people asked me this question because I think today we need more people in business than we ever did. Why? Because 
Um, I think business today has, has gone to the point where, um, you know, you can, you can become a millionaire in six months. I think it's really possible if really people um, put their mind to it and, and learn. Um, you know, I just spoke to someone who's a really close colleague of mine, and, you know, she did that in six months. Right? She made over a million dollars, and now she makes a million dollars every year. Uh, you know, and she did that, starting that process in six months. I'm like, man, how, you know, like, it's crazy um, what, what, you, what you see today when it comes to business. So, you know, and, and to answer your question, right, so, there, you know, when I look at business, I would say this, right, so not starting a business is right, isn't why you're probably in debt. I think the challenge where I say that to you is because most people today, they're not making enough money at the job. And it's, and it's and it shows, right, because they work one, two, three, four, five jobs. So ideally, you know, it will make sense to start a business. Well, why do most people today don't start a business? Number one, it's easy, easy to fear, right? You know, don't have enough startup money, right? Don't know if, you know, like you said, right? Or, or they don't have an idea how to go start about it or, or they don't have a plan, right? And, um, and I think usually, or they don't have a resource, someone who they can connect and right? They can kind of, kind of learn as they go. So I think these are the challenges that people hit. So how do we combat these challenges? First, number one, you got to master one skill. I think one of the problems people today is that they're trying to be a jack of all trades, right? And if, if and the problem with being a jack of all trades is that um, you can't master anything. So therefore, there's nothing that you're going to reach to a certain level in life that you want to be. Right. Like, say, for example, if you say, hey, Kareem, I want to I want to be a, a, a doctor. But you're telling me you, you're running, you know, you, you know, you know, you, you know, you're trying to be a professional basketball player and you're trying to you know, be a basketball boxer. And like, it's not going to work because it's too much of a commitment. You know, you're only one person. See, what I find is that if you look at every person who is successful, they found a way where they master one skill and make that skill pay all their bills. Right. So they say skill pay the bills. Right. That is definitely true. Right. Um, so, you know, if you master one skill, it will pay all your bills. So how do we do that? So first off, number one. So you master one skill. If you look at Michael Jordan. Right. You look at, um, you know, uh, you know, all the greats you think of. Right. You know them for one particular area and they use that to, to leverage their self to brand name themselves into another part department and market themselves, right? Whether it's um, through advertisement, right? Or, or, or shoe selling, right? But they would have never got to that point if they haven't started that one area. So I think the challenges today, what most people are confused about is they think they need to be involved in everything. Why? Because everything sounds great, right? You know, I wanna be here, I wanna be here. So first thing I would say is master one skill. And the skill, by the way, doesn't have to necessarily be something you're passionate about. I think that's a challenge that other people have. People think that, you know, I have, to, I have to find my passion. By the time you find your passion, you may be 40, 50 years old. Okay? That's just kind of how it is today. Why? Because as people, we understand things that we're passionate about comes from the experiences that we have. Right? It doesn't necessarily come from us just watching and hearing from people. It's you got to actually do it. Right? Um, I've, made, I've made it so much time saying to myself, I always reminded myself before that I'm passionate about nursing. Right? But the problem was, until I did nursing, I realized how much passion I wasn't over nursing. So the challenge is, you know, we all get caught up with the passion. So how do we avoid that is by focusing on um, something you're just good at, right? And that what you're good at will help you lead you to the next thing, which will be your passion, right? Right now, you got to come, you got you to you get the back, right? That's the whole problem, right? You got to get the back, right? You got to secure the back. Securing the back is making sure you build your skill outside of your current job. Make that skill pay your bills, and now you transition that job from now running your full-time business, and now you're successful. Now, how, now as you're doing that, 
I would say then, as you start to get a flow going, right, you, you know, you're making things happen, then you should start having a team, right? You need a, you need a, you need a, you need a, a trusted a tax consultant, right? Someone who can kind of help you determine what your taxes are. You want to you also have an investment or financial advisor, someone who can take care of your finances. You want to have an accountant who can manage your you know, ins and outs of your goals, right? So you can see what your revenue is coming in and coming out. Then you become more sophisticated with your business. And as it grows, you have more opportunity to grow. So I'll start off with this to kind of recap, right? You want to just start with a skill. Don't, 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 don't over, overthink it. I think people too much, they overthink it. Start with a skill. The skill does not have to be a passion. It just has to be something you're good at. After you de- determine what skill you're good at or you want to develop a skill that you, know, that you would like to get good at, make money from it, right? Make, make a certain amount of money from it, right? Whether it's off the books, on the books, however you want to put it, right? Just make some money, right? Secure the bag, okay? Um, and then once you secure the bag, then you make it legit. You make it official. You build a team. As you build a team, you move transition into from building a team to now starting um, with then connecting to people you know. I think people today, the last thing I'll say with that whole concept is that they're afraid to tell people they know about their business. Mm. And you can't be a silent, you know, silent. We always say, you know, we say this in, in, in the financial world, you can't be a silent agent, right? <laughs> people got to know what you do. What if the people that you know can be saved by the, your, your, the information or the skill that you're bringing to them, right? Because you didn't want to tell them that, you know, because you would fear that, right? You know, oh man, not, you know, and now they're with someone else, right? That's the worst thing that happened, right? When you when you have a solid based business and someone's doing business with someone else because you chose not to tell them, right? So how do we fix that? Well, just talk to your people. Let people know you're in business. I find that the business people, when people know you're in business, which you call that your natural market, natural warm market, right? We call that your natural warm market, excuse me. When people know you in business, they'll let people know. Hey, listen, I know this person. I know this person. And you, you find out sooner or later that people now connect with you. You build your natural world market. You don't have to start from scratch, right? And now people know what you're doing. Now you have a business. Mm. I like everything you just said just now. Me um, too. That so, rem- Raina, are you going to make those wigs, sis, or no? <laughs> <laughs> you on mute, baby. Uh-huh. I told you it's not going to be wigs. It's going to be something else, honey. I got something yeah, else up my sleeve. Yeah, she got something up her sleeve. Something that <laughs> no, you- for real, for real. I just want to do what you said. And I, I've been telling myself that master that craft, like get good at that before I actually even, hey, I'm doing this. I want to make sure it's good, it's solid, and I can do it easily. Yeah, something you said that really like triggered me. It's so funny because um, my director of the agency I work for have said that to me. And, and a few years ago, younger me was very offended by it. But it's actually correct. You should be mastering your skill and then looking to further whatever career choice you choose. So, you know, I think that was just really like powerful and informative. And you said something else that I wanted to like stick out. Well, it wasn't. Huh? Skills pay the bills. Yes. How you know I was going to say that? <laughs> so the skill pay the bills. I like that. We're going to be putting all these little quotes down below so you guys can start saying that to other people. You know, I'm going to start saying this to people tomorrow. <laughs> I know I love a good quotable. <laughs> so the next question, Laura, you want to ask? Let's see. Okay. So how much should you have saved up in case you were to lose your job? Great question. Um, you know, when I when I hear that, number one, I'll say it first off, a lot of people, um, what I find happens 
is that people jump into their wealth building plan, right? There's three types of accounts we always want to build. We talk about emergency account, talk about um, short-term account, and you talk about your wealth building account. And your wealth building account is like your retirement plan, right? It's pretty much where you're going to live off of. And what we find today, what happens time after time, people just jumping into their retirement plan thinking, oh, I'm going to just pay it back. But it doesn't work like that. See, you put time into that. And putting time into that helps you get compound interest. And what I mean by compound interest is interest on top of interest. And when you take money out of that, you just disturb the whole process. And therefore, it's harder for you to gain back on track because the time that you have to put in, you know, you just ran out of it. Maybe because you're now hitting retirement, things are not where it's supposed to be. So we tell people all the time that you want to have a strategy of this, right? So it comes to making sure that you first fill out your first account, which is the first account is your emergency account, right? We call that your, your stash away account. No one should know about that, your crisis account. I don't care who is in your family, right? No one should even know about this account, right? Um, because this only comes out when it's an emergency. And um, experts always rec- recommend that you have this account. It should have anywhere between three a month to six months of all your, of your expense, uh, expenses, all your monthly expenses. So let's say, for instance, you bring it home $4,000. And the $400,000 you bring home, let's say out of the $4,000, $3,000 is your expenses. So that's your expense income on a monthly basis. So if you times that by three, three times 30000 is 9000 you should have minimum $9,000, right, um, at least, um, or going for it all up six months. That makes sense. I, whew, that sounds like a lot of work, but when you think about it, especially, you know, this whole pandemic we're going through, I know a lot of people wish they would have had that knowledge to have had that much saved up. Like, to be honest, this has been going on since what, April, March, and some people are still out of work. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's just being mindful of like you should save. And I know it sounds scary when we hear saving because I'm one of those people like uh, saving is 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 something that's very scary for me, too. But I'll, I also try to remind myself. I remember seeing a meme when you're trying to save or you're trying to work towards a goal. You got to think about all the money you already spent. Similar to what Dom said earlier, that money that you just spent on your weave, that money you just spent on happy hour, that money you just spent to travel. Sometimes when you really have a goal set for yourself, you need to step back. And I know that sounds scary because I I know as millennials, especially us later millennials, our mindset is this job ain't going to bother me. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to do self-care. Self-care doesn't always equate spending your money. Sometimes you need to just sit in your house and fold your legs and meditate or something. That could be your self-care. And I also think that this generation has a FOMO. We have a fear of missing out. So we see people on social media always doing stuff and like buying houses and traveling and buying all these little yeah new iphones new clothes but don't have two pennies to rub together they're just getting it and spending it but we see it on social media and we have this fear like oh i'm missing out i'm missing out and or i'm not doing it right and then everybody wants to stump for the gram Everybody was to stunt. And, you know, just because this person bought a house at 27, that doesn't mean that that's your, that's free. Right. Or if this person just bought a brand new car, 
it's not for you right now. Yeah. Also, the first thing he said is, what's your money looking like? If your money ain't on that person's money, don't don't sit here and compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. So you compare and contrasting yourself to someone who you're not even on a financial level. Or they are in complete debt. Like there's one thing between student yeah, loan debt and then credit card and uh, like personal loan debt. I'll I don't want neither debt, but unfortunately oh, I wow. have the student loan. But I'm definitely not gonna go in credit card debt trying to stop for the gram. I don't even know y'all. I don't know y'all. <laughs> but it's so hard because younger me did not have that mindset. Younger me, my first car, I never should have bought it. Like, I always had bundles. I always, like, wanted to be out and partying to stuff for the gram, thinking that I was doing something. I wasn't doing nothing. Because they didn't know you. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) The next question is, what are your thoughts on day trading? Day trading, man. Man, man, you, you hear you hear that so much. It's like um, today because you know, you know, since March, right? Um, people hated investments, right? If, if everything was like, oh, everything's gonna go down, you hear it in, in the news. You, you hear it in you know, people you know, right? People are just talking about it, and it's like the blind is leading the blind, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, then after a while, you, you then you hear, okay, man, it's, it's, everything's going up, so I should start investing, and it's like. This is a short-term thinking, right, that people have that, you know, when it comes to building wealth, right, I, I need to do it right now and I have to, I need immediate gratification. And, and when it comes to day trading, nothing is, like, immediate, right? I always tell people that it's nothing immediate. Um, but even more so when it comes to day trading, you always want to have three things in mind. I think um, there's information, experience, and a plan. I think what happens is when people talk about day trading, they don't have any information about it. They don't have any experience and there's no plan. So how can you day trade if you don't know what you're doing? Right. You you don't have any experience in it. So how this all happens due to the fact that when, um, when day trading comes about, you hear it, you hear it all, you hear it in Google, you hear it in YouTube, you hear it everywhere. Right. Um, But what I'll tell people is, are you, are you willing today um, spend maybe seven hours, uh, seven to maybe 24 hours, seven days a week to uh, start you know, paying attention to day trading. Because day trading is a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a oh, I'm going to do it one, one day and I'm going to do it tomorrow and I'm, I'm, and I'm going to make some money. It's a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle change you're saying. You're saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to be an investor and I'm going to start investing in multiple companies right now. I don't care what's happening. And the thing is, I think sometimes what happens with people is their mindset is not, is not incongruent right, with their actions. So you find that a lot of times people have so much challenges when it comes to day trading because, and so much issues. Day trading is actually a really good thing. People can make a lot of money. Problem is, are you up to it? Are you going to really take the time to learn about it? Right? And today, if we look at today's society, people are working two, three, four, five jobs and they don't even have time to look at it. Right? They don't have time to build a business let alone day training. So I would consider day training like a business. Think of it like a business. If you're going to do it, you're going to spend time doing it. But if you're not, right, um, if you are going to do it, you need information, you need experience, you need a plan. And if you're not, I would recommend hiring uh, uh, someone who can manage your funds. Think of it like food, right? If you go out, you, you know, you may not, you're hungry, right? You don't have time to eat, right? You may go out and eat some quality food when you go to a restaurant, right? Um, you pay for the service, right? 
but they give you great quality food. That's what happens when you get your money managed. We talk about people um, taking control of their money. See, the challenge is there's no control growth when there's no experience information plan, right? But when you have someone who can help you connect to control growth, which is someone who's going to do it for you, um, yes, there is experience. Now, of course, you're not going to get the extreme returns to tomorrow, right? But um, investing is not something you think um, as a short-term goal. It's a long-term goal. It's for the long haul right? Um, there's different objectives for every person, right? But when I think about investing, I think about you want to make sure that you understand the purpose of investing, right? Um, the, 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 and being disciplined. And you should have someone who's a really trusted advisor who can cover things with you to be more informed. So you can be as informed as you are so you can make the best decisions for you. That was informative. Um, you're right. I hear a lot of people doing day trading right now. I heard it prior to the pandemic. However, I, I will say like it has been amplified, amplified, excuse me, since um, the pandemic has, you know, started. And I see a lot of people going into it. And of course, like you said before, if you're going to make it into a business, definitely invest in yourself, but just know what you're doing. I agree too. I know That's someone who's time. into day trading and it took him three years. I thought it was crazy. He first started, but it really it took him three years to start making money because he had to learn. And he really like and the reason that I thought it was crazy is because when you said that it's a lifestyle, it really is. Like he was watching videos all the time. Only talked about day trading. It was really annoying. Um it was like his lifestyle. That's what he did. And it took him three years before he actually even now he's making money. So I agree with you. It is a lifestyle. It's not just something you can go into and be like. See, yeah. I could tell that's that's not for me. Even with, <laughs> not for me nah, this is nah. Much. I just want to pay someone to do it because I don't Listen, think I can learn it. Lorena's you know like, that's not me. No, for real. Even with my retirement, I leave them in their little individual funds that they're in, and I let it make money. I check it at the end of the year. I don't have time to be looking at which one is up, which one is down. Let me move my nope. I'm going to leave it here and let my money grow how it has to grow. I don't know what those lines mean. I don't know what they mean. It's just the... And then it's like, oh my, like in the beginning of the uh, pandemic, when, you know, everything happened, I lost so much money. I think it was, I think I was telling y'all about uh, over 10 grand, but then everything started coming back up and it, it just came back. So I'm like, listen, I'm just going to leave it there because I don't know what to do and just let it and just to kind of add to what you're saying, um, you know, for people who are scared as investors um, out there, you know, thinking, man, I don't want to invest my money and lose money. Um, I think number one thing you got to understand about um, investing is, is that there's a track record. Um, anything that you, you know, how we study anything is based on track records, right? When, when you look at track records today, like when you look at people who are successful, how do we determine if we want to follow them? Because their track record, they actually have done something in the past that determined us to say, okay, I want to do something. So when I'll, I'll urge you to not um, fall ignorant to, um, or succumb to the concept that all in, you know, investing is the worst thing in possible sites. But, you know, I think it only makes it worse for you if you don't have, again, an information um, experience in a plan. Um, but if you have someone who has that along with a track record, there's no reason why you can't make money. That's that so, sense. so true. That's why All I right. just listen to them old heads. Mm -hmm. That's why I call Kareem. I'll be hitting him <laughs> up every few weeks. <laughs> old heads be knowing. Um, next question. Next question. 
Why? Okay. Sorry. What would be your <laughs> advice for saving for your child's college fund? Savings for your child college fund. So that's a great question too. I would say first, um, a lot of times people are confused about this, right? And I think the reason why is because they, they're wondering, they're indecisive if the child will go to college or not, right? <laughs> and <laughs> in today's society, it's kind of, kind of is the case, right? You don't know because today people are becoming self-employed, right? Or quickly and, and some people are not, right? So people got the luck, some people got the brand, some people got everything going on. So it's like, well, I'm wasting my money. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So first off, here's how it works, right? First off, if you're going to invest in, in any type of college um, savings component thing, there's actual plans that are specific, specialized for this particular reason, right? So we have something called 529 plan, UGMA, um, UGMA accounts, right, um, that are designed to make sure that if you have certain things, whether it's in you know, high school to college, whatever it is, that you can actually start investing right away and put that particular money, right? And it, it gives you a lot of um, um, a different unique um situations where you know the, the tax you know for taxes and everything like the you know the uh, the government you know has special tax privileges for it too so it's so many great things that you have with it um but if you feel that you're really not sure then you can start up a regular individual account i think really the biggest thing is you know having an individual account is not bad um when it comes to investing because you it's still invested you're still making money um but at least you have a lot more control when it's not in these specialized accounts, because these specialized accounts are do require it has requirements, it has stipulations, right? Meaning, you know, there's a certain reason why you know certain you got there's a certain use for it, and if you follow if you fall outside that guidelines, it can it can cause some challenges um, when it comes to you know wolf drawing with penalties or that stuff. So, I would recommend um, figuring out first off asking your child what you want what they want to do. If they feel like undecisive, right, and you know they're undecisive, chances are you probably don't want to start a, a actual specialized plan for that. But if you find that they are, then you can start it. And if they're not, you at least can, the great thing is you can still roll that money over to the next child. You can still roll it over. It's still some money that's still there. And it stays as generational wealth and into families until someone wants to go to college. Or if not, they use it for some, some type of use for educational purposes. Right? So um, that's um, my um, two on it. What if the child's an infant? You can't really ask them. <laughs> I guess you gotta I mean, wait until they start being a toddler. <laughs> you right? look like a football player. <laughs> well, the good thing about that, to answer that question, right? They know it started in the individual account. Right? I was started into a general account where um, there's, there's nothing there yet. And then when that person hits that age, then you can determine, okay, if I should roll it over to that particular account. And rolling it over, it has a great benefits. I'm telling you, it's great. Um, you know, there's there's things where you know, pretty much, you can, there's ways where you can have it tax free and so many things I've seen people how how they can do it moving out move around it so it's a great tool to have um when invest because it's also invested you get a lot of return from it um it's just dependent on the circumstances so do you have to give the money to your child like what if they just turn out to be a fool and oh, wow I'm so serious though and you don't and you're like I'm not gonna give you the money because you're gonna waste it I'm going on vacation I mean it's your money Yes. I mean, again, there is there is stipulations that comes with certain these specialized accounts, right? So, like, um, if they're not, if they're not used for the purpose of child children, then it's, you know there is a penalty for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I would recommend doing that per, per se, but you can still strategic be strategic with it, which means like, okay, let's say for instance you have another child, right, and you find that other child, you can put the other child on the account versus him on account, right, or he or she on account. Mm-hmm. 
or if you find that you know um <clears throat> you let's say for instance you, you're still alive and your you know your grandchildren is alive whatever case may be you, you said you want i'm going to build this as a legacy plan now so you leave it in there and you can actually write it off to that child and it can be tax tax-free you know while you're alive there's so many things you can do with money um you know um, once you understand how it works when you understand the stipulations and guidelines but first off if i find if you ever even if you, you know this is how i look at it if you feel it's a threat right meaning like if you feel like man it's not i don't think this person is going to go that my child will go to college <laughs> you, know, I, I would say individual. you don't, don't want to you don't want to waste your you know time in, you know trying to figure out the, the, the loopholes and everything when you could just simply just do away with it Wait, that's funny that I was, um, I've been re-watching Power. So I'm a fool. That made me think of how Ghost said his son Tyreek had to finish college before he can get all that money he inherited. And I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> Put it in your way. Sometimes your kids just like, you know, you kids, And if you know that they're just not. Child. Not the brightest ball. Because Tyreek yeah. wasn't going to college. Tyreek was mad as hell. Listen. Man, I can we have one more question. Quick last question. What's the quickest way to raise your credit score? Oh, this is a really good one. Y'all probably want to tune in for this, right? I think uh, this is also great. For- turn y'all volume up. You know, say, like, you know, t- turn the mic up, right? Say mic check one, two, one, two, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> right, so, uh, all right. So when it comes to credit score, the quickest way you want to build your credit, right? Um, I, I, first off, I want to categorize this. Because when you categorize this, you can determine where you're at as a person. So there's you know, there's three types of creditors, right? So one, a new, a new credit user. Two, someone who's existing, right? But um, maybe hasn't had any significant changes in their credit, but they want some type of changes. And then three, you have a person who is, you know, in the process of repairing their credit. They had some challenges along the way and maybe things happen and, you know, they're trying to fix things uh, along the way, right? So once we understand this, right, where you're at, you want to look at each step. So first step I would tell people is um, something about building um, what we call connections, right? So um, the easiest way I'm talking about, if you want an 800 plus, whatever case may be in um, credit, right? Right away, I would say within 45 days, um, this is what you probably want to try to <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> do. It's something called um, piggybacking or authorized user. And as an authorized user, what this simply means as a person, there's two people involved, right? You know, I would say you, you want to maybe do this with someone who you are very close with, that you trust, that has a great credit score, they're doing really well, right? What, we, what you can do is you can piggyback on them, right, by jumping onto their line of, uh, of credit um, um, on one of their particular accounts, right? And, and, and the type of account you want to try to jump on, typically, you know, you want to make sure that the account is, you know, at least... Um, it's long, it has a long track record, maybe five years or more, right? Because the longer it is, the, the more, um, the better credit you would have, right? You, you want to make sure that the credit, when you jump on it, that, uh, you know, you also it's, it's, it's asking for your social or just asking to chain out the, the person who is the credit person, or is this going to be on my report? Because what happens is when you have an authorized user, right, what it simply means is that the person is saying that I'm going to put this other, uh, let's say person one wants to put person two onto their credit. Now it wouldn't affect person's one credit because they have a bad credit history, but it would be vice versa. So it means 
if the person has bad credit history, then of course it would affect the person who's trying to get the good credit, right? Or if the person has good credit, it's gonna affect them good or bad, depending on what type of credit they have. So obviously we're, we're hoping that they have great credit. Are you guys following me so far? That makes sense? Yeah. All right, so, so this can get a little confusing a little bit. So if you, know, if you need a little complication, I could do that. But so in this case, now that you, dis, now that you establish that, right? Now what happens is your score will jump up immediately. So, you know, now here's the thing. Companies got really good at determining this particular process. Um, they have certain you know, engines that are, you know, ten, um, that are used um, to find it, or they have people who are in the field right now to notice that when people are jumping on authorized credit, that's, that's an 800 press score. So you're not going to do anything with it at, right away, meaning that you're not going to be able to get like a house or anything with it, right? It, it's just going to help you push your credit score to say that you have credit. Then what you want to do is then you want to have open up your own line of credit. Now, if you don't have someone who can, you know, um, be an authorized user or, or, or quote, quote, piggyback on their, on their credit line, then you, you know, just, you want to use the second option, which I'm talking about um, outside of that, right? It can be an addition, but it can be out if you don't have the person. You want to open your, 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 your own line of credit. It's just kind of simple as that. I think what happens is people can, can you know, confuse it because you hear so many different things um, about, you know, credit and everything, but credit is, is full under categories, Right. So like, for instance, the first category you want to keep in mind is that you want to, which is the bigger category. When you open up a credit card, you want to make sure you pay every credit um, you know, payment on time. Right. For every, every whatever credit line you have. If you stop paying, it, it's 35 percent of your score. So, you see, so it's, it's, it's a huge, big deal for your score. So if, you, if you're not paying your credits on time or let's say, for instance, you did miss a credit. Right. Um, 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 payment what you can do is you can talk to the creditor, maybe mail, uh, send them a letter and they can easily rip it off, or, you, know, um, you know, replace it or eliminate it uh, just to fix your credit if you want to do that. But that's a huge deal outside of that. But the next thing you want to keep in mind is that you also want to make sure, you, you know, util, uh, credit is called credit utilization. And you want to start utilizing more credit lines of credit, right? Um, and when I say um, utilize them, you want to at least use up to 10% of each credit card. Right, so let me give you an example. Let's say your credit card line is a thousand dollars. You probably want to use a hundred, right? You want to stay between ten thousand or lower um, when you're doing that because that's thirty percent of your score, right? So when you do that, it helps build your credit right away. And then the next thing you want to do is you you want to have um, um, ten percent of all all credit lines, right? Uh, a lot of okay. So in this case, you want to make sure it doesn't. I'm reading off. I'm going to make sure I have all this in my head, so I, I don't want to write it down. So, you also want to make sure that the credit history, right? So, you want to build credit history. So, the, the credit history is how long you had it for, right? It's very also important because um, that's going to determine, um, you know, if if they feel that if you did it, if you just got started, then you know they want to try you out. They want to make sure credit lines companies they want to determine if you are actually um, doing what you're going to say you're going to do, right? Which is hold the actual credit line. Right. And then, of course, you another one is um, which is 10 percent of your credit score is your credit, um, your, you know, your, your credit lines, your particular credit lines. So let's say, for instance, you talk about credit utilization. But you now want to open different lines of credit itself. So let's say you have 10 credit cards with, you know, 10 credit cards. It's actually not bad. 
right? You know, the, the, you know, when it comes to credit, they want you to have 24 lines of type of credit so you can actually have 800 more um, credit score. So, you know, but if you close a credit card, by the way, it's a problem. That's a huge deal because what they're saying is maybe you're not comfortable uh, keeping your credit. So therefore, it is, you know, it, it, what happens, it erases the history of you having that credit online when you close your card. So Good what question. you don't... I'm sorry to interrupt. What if they close your credit line, meaning like you no longer use that card? Because after a while without using a card, you know, the card company will close you. Does that look the same way as if you close it? No. So, see, when they close it, it's, it's, it's a little bit different um, because what they're saying is at this point, you're not using it, right? Um, but when you close it, right, it, it's, it's showing that you're taking the commitment to close it. Therefore, it's, it's a little bit different, right? Not saying that it's completely different, right? Meaning it's, 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 it's way heavy when you close it. Make sense? So, that's a huge deal. So, and then, of course, you want to make sure you want to have credit with a lot of high, high limits. So what I mean by that is, let's say, for instance, you open up a credit line and the credit line is $1,000. You, know, you want to tell them to increase your limits. Now, you want to be really good. You want to be, make sure that you're still due diligent. I, I met people today who have credits and they get crazy with it, right? Oh, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. No, 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 no. You, you got to be very on track with your credit stuff, right? So if you, if you really want to build this credit right. So what you want to do is you want to ask them to increase the lines, right? So increase it. Let's say it's a thousand, then you five thousand, ten thousand. If you increase your line, they're gonna say, "Man, this guy is very um, able, no, this, this person, right, guy or girl, right, is very capable of holding down credits with high scores with multiple comps, right, with multiple credit lines." That means you know this person is not um, urgent to just jump into something without paying attention, you know, without paying attention to something, right? On um, what's going on, what the signs are, you know. So they look at signs of distress from a creditor. I mean, from a, debt, a debtor, right? Someone who's, who owes debt to them. And these are one of the signs that stresses them, right? If you, if you can't hold a high credit line, right? Can't keep a bunch of lines open, right? And if you, um, pay, you know, you're not missing your payments and on top of it, um, you're not staying below 10% um, of, of, of credit line of paying, you know, of charge, right? And of course, you, you know, you, you're getting hard inquiries, right? You're trying to, you know, open up credit cards immediately. Like, you know, hard inquiries are just simply saying to a company that you're trying to open up credit. And, you know, maybe you're trying to get, you know, trying to get an idea of what a credit line is. But if you keep going to multiple of them, right, it can also um, cause a challenge, right? Because what's happening is they wonder, they're trying to figure out why is this person so excited about trying to get some credit right away? Like, what's going on? Why is, why is it so a, a, a huge urge of doing that? So it becomes a huge problem to them and their brain. So that can affect your score depending on what it, the circumstances is. So let's say if you're trying to buy a car. Well, they know that, you know, if your credit score is about, you know, 65, 70, that you're trying things out. But if you're trying to buy a car and you're doing it every single day for maybe 10, 20, you know, 15 days straight, that's a little different. You know what I'm saying? Like you have, you know, you, you start doing a lot more often, they, they, they're concerned about it. Right. So um, hopefully that makes sense. So just to kind of recap. Right. So I know I'm a little bit over the place. Right. So so payment is the huge one. Right. So keep your payments on time. Thirty five percent score credit utilization. So how much how much percentage are you using in your credit cards? Right. Which is less 10 percent or low. That's 30 percent. Right. Uh, you want to make sure you, you increase your credit line. Right. Which is, you know, from thousand to ten thousand. That, that is 15 percent of your credit score. Then you want to have op- multiple credit lines open, which is 10% of your credit score. And you want to make sure that you, 
you don't get hit with so much hard credit increase, right? Um, which is also 10% of your credit score. I have a question. So you're saying open up numerous credit lines, however, don't have too many hard inquiries. So for you to open up a line, you're going to have hard inquiries on your credit score. So are you saying spread out how often you open a line as well as still open numerous lines? Right. So like when someone opens a line of credit, right? Um, a, so think of it like they, 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 this is even though it's a machine also calculating this whole process there's also human beings that's behind this right they they're trying to determine what's the psyche of a human being when it comes to their credit so they have someone who's sitting in the background kind of backstage is like okay this person just opened up a credit card this one this one this one this one okay so why is open up so many credit cards yeah so you want to space it out you don't want to try to do everything one time um you try to open a multiple credit card it probably wouldn't work for you anyway because they're going to start seeing that and then current cards can start declining you. That can be a huge challenge for you, right? So what you want to do is, you know, open one credit card, maybe take a month or two, open a second credit card, month, three months away, you know, take some time to each open a credit card. It's a process. This can take some time, right? Building your credit um, when, when it comes to that. But the fastest way is authorized user. You, you have a credit card, um, credit score, right? And then open up one line of credit, you know, work with that payment, you know, you're, you're, you're good to go. But if not, if you don't have that person, you want to make sure that you have, um, that you play that game plan I just mentioned with all the, 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 the options when it comes to that. I could, I could see that piggybacking thing that you're saying. As soon as you said that, I just thought about like my own personal situation, because that's exactly what my mom did, because I didn't know I had anything. And then I just woke up one day and checked my credit score and I had, you know, a decent credit score, but it was because of piggyback. Like you, what you described, I didn't even, it didn't even click to me that that happened until you described it just now. Like, oh, shout outs to you, mom. I don't think you're listening, but shout out. Oh, wow. And and after that, right, I want to let you know that um, when it comes to piggybacking, see the challenge with most people, right? They they don't realize that, you know, the authorized user is not affected by it. So you can ask anybody and you, if you explain it to them correctly and if they're a good friend, they'll do it for you because it's not like they're going to have a problem with it, right? You know, they're not, you're not using their line of credit to do business. You, what you're just saying is that, that you're going to be held liable. And what that's yeah. how liable simply means is not that you're doing anything, like I said, it's just that you're on their credit line. And if something goes bad with them, they're going to go bad. But just think about it. If you trust and if they had a great credit score, you have to kind of imagine what would, how can one day just change, you know, they can change your alternative habits, right? They're, they're going to alter habits and make yeah. a bad problem. So you got to determine, obviously trust the person, make sure the person you're dealing with is someone that you can, you know, work with. And as that, goes, you know, that process happens, you know, you, 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 you do a phenomenal. Now, one thing I, would, I forgot to mention, there's something called co-signing. And co-signing, uh, when it comes to credit, can be very dangerous, right? Um, why? Because I think, what people don't know, it, it, they think it's like an author. It's kind of like it's kind of similar to authorized user, but the difference is you're you're affected by the person's bad credit, right? You can be affected by any person's bad credit. So if any per, both persons are held liable, and the person on the on the like for example, usually people do it when they're trying to buy houses. I don't recommend it just to randomly do it. There has to be some type of indication for why. It has to be an immediate reason why. That's when we want to have a co-signing. Other than that, I would always tell people to have an authorized under uh, authorized user on their account so that they can get it. it's called AU, right? Um, and that would help you know with the challenges and making sure that they're, they're all good and set. 
Um, I, I feel like question. a lot of us are familiar with co-signing when it comes to like student loans and stuff like that. So we're more familiar with co-signers than authorized users, which is funny. Yeah. So what people also, don't, don't be co-signing for your boyfriends. Oh, I meant, oh absolutely. I have to say one more thing. I keep forgetting this, right? So I, that's why I try to write my notes down. Um, so when it comes to credit, right, for people who, you know, I told you, we talked about step one. I mean, three types of people, right? We talked about people who are new users. Just, those are specifically, a lot of those for new users. A lot of them was for people who are, um, are you, know, tr- you know, existing users, but just trying to establish more credit. Now let's talk about people who's repairing the credit, right? I think it's a huge factor today. People are trying to figure out how to repair the credit best ways. You go to many companies today, um, credit repair companies, and they'll charge you uh, in an arm and a leg sometimes for just doing credit. And I think that's insane because you can actually get this information for free. Right. You know, it's crazy how you know, when you have knowledge about things that people can, you know, um, you can really do something great. So there's something called the Credit Bible. And what the Credit Bible does, right, it, it helps you break down how you can actually um, repair your credit, depending on how severe your credit is. Right. So um, like, for instance, let's say, you know, you have something in collections. Right. So what you know, what the collections. I want you to keep in mind that the collections part only happens when someone probably defaulted on their loan and they couldn't pay it no longer, right? And it goes into uh, um, some, uh, what we call a third-party system. So someone bought the debt off to someone else. So how this works is, let's say, for instance, Lorena is, you know, the debt, as, um, debt, debt holder, debt, I mean, credit, the creditor, right? I wanted to purchase a credit card from her. I purchased a credit card. I maxed out my credit, right, because I got a little carried away, right? Maybe went over, it was probably uh, 5,000. I went over 9,000 in credit. Why? Because of interest and everything, right? Um, I can't pay it because maybe I just lost my job and stuff happens, right? Things got real, right? Um, COVID happened. Let's say that for instance, right? And now um, I'm trying to get back on my feet. I get back on my feet, but the problem is now I'm getting all these calls, right? You get all these calls about you have to pay all your, you know, excuse me, sir. Um, is this uh, Kareem Farnham? Right? And you answer this call and you're like, should I answer this call? Should I do? Right? And, you know, everybody goes through this whole process, right? Everybody at some point, right, when you have that bad credit, right? So what, what happens is when you answer this call, what, they, what you just simply is, you just, you just own this debt, right? Because what happened was even though you, you did own to this debt, you, you owned up to this debt before, you actually had an actual agreement with, with a company. And this is an agreement you didn't have with a third-party system. So when you have when you don't have an agreement with a third party system, there's an opportunity where there's a window that there's an error there, right? Where they didn't get all the information from the actual party. So you can actually give the send out letters to the credit bureau saying, hey, listen, this third party system people, um, you know, I don't know this company, I don't know anything about them. They have my information, right? And you send certain letters to them to the to, to the bureau with, through this credit bible, and these letters are set up to show that if to determine what they have is accurate. You just keep sending the letters, and eventually, one of the things that is on these process, you, you find that they're they're that's not accurate. Um, you end up eliminating the whole debt, right? It could just be the smallest thing. It could be maybe they said your name wrong. You know, let's say my name is you see my name is spelled there. It's K R I M. They spelled it K R E M. It could be the fact that they got one date wrong, right? It's the smallest thing. Most companies today, the reason why they love credit repair today is they love it, right? Because most companies, you know, most debt um, 
consumers, third-party systems don't really have, um, you know, all the materials, right? All the, all the information. And they are capitalizing on uneducated people because the thing is you, you, get, you get a call and you're like, man, is this, is this, I'm going to, should I answer this or should I not answer this? Right. And you end up answering anyway, because you get so scared and you fear the fact that if, if something else could get wrong. Right. So hopefully that makes sense. And, uh, answer some questions out there. I do have another question circling back to what you were saying about raising your credit limit. How do you go about that with a bank? Do you just like call or do you write a letter to whoever you have your credit card with and how long? Should you wait before you um, ask to get your credit limit raised? Oh, that's a great question, right? So, um, raising your credit can um, you can definitely you can definitely send a letter to the bank, or you can call them up from the phone and say, "Hey, listen, I'd like to raise my credit." But oftentimes, you find this happens a lot. They actually raise it for you, right? I don't know if you ever had that situation, Kurt. You, you look at your credit report, you're like, "I never had." They never said four thousand dollars. Well, they know that you've been doing really well. So they're going to obviously pay, give you more money. Why? Because they, they want to, you know, get some type of interest from you. They're hoping that you one day miss a payment. They'll, you know, you one day do this, right? So that they get something from you, right? So you don't necessarily have to tell them right away. But if you do, you can give them a call up and, and shoot that. And now um, what time frame? I would um, honestly do it maybe in three months, as early as three months, right? You know, you, you, at this point, you establish a credit, card, credit, credit line. You know, you're doing well, right? You know, you're three months. I wouldn't say a huge credit line. They would probably give you, maybe give you extra $200, maybe $300, $400, maybe six months pass, right? A year pass. Now you got sort of a nice $1,000 credit limit. You may find they give you $4,000, right? So it all depends, um, obviously, on your circumstances and situation. Um, but yeah, I would, I would recommend um, as, as early as maybe three months, you can ask most, most companies, they'll, they'll raise it, maybe extra $200, $400, $500. Um, you can do as, as long as a year, you know, um, year would be great. You know, you get a great credit line at that point. That was good. Thank you so much for all that information. Um, I think it was very, very useful, um, and informative. I know a lot of us, especially over the age of 25 is, um, trying to rebuild and restructure because we all have goals that we're trying to accomplish. So I think that was really, really informative. Thank you for coming and talking to us. Yes, we really appreciate it. Yes, a lot. Um, A lot of us are struggling with finances because they don't teach us in school. And And then you come out with of college and say you're making like a little, you're making more money than you've ever made before. You think it's a whole lot. It really isn't. But Mm -hmm. I'm still living at home and you ain't got no bills. And you don't know what to do with it. And you don't know what to do with it. $32,000 is a lot of money for someone who has no bills. Probably it's another topic on this loan where we could talk about student loans. You know, I, I learned so much in a short period of time. About, I would say six, last six months, I learned a lot about student loans and, and, and how, you know, how people can... You learn how to get rid of them real quick, though? <laughs> Child. Like, you found a loophole, like how you did with the other thing? Because I would need to know that. Listen, and they got to catch me if they can. I ain't got time. Y'all want me to pay y'all how much? I don't remember being this expensive. Yes. Yeah, well, so, um, yeah, I learned I learned some stuff about it. Um, I did, did a lot more research on it. You know, again, you know, you, 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 know, you got to constantly be growing in, in a lot of those, right? I think, you know, people today, you know, hopefully I'll leave you with these four things, right? You know, to guarantee growth today. I always tell people when I was students, I said, you know, if you're going to start something, right, there's four things you want to help to guarantee growth. Hopefully everybody's out there. Number one, hopefully you came in early, 
right? Hopefully you came in from the beginning of this podcast. I'm sure this was phenomenal, right? Oh, Second, better head. Hopefully you guys are taking notes. Um, you know, biggest, you know, the um, leaders are, are normally readers, right? And, and, um, and also people who write, right? They would say that the, sh- uh, the, the sharpest mind, um, the, um, there's, there's not a mind that's sharper than the dullest pen. The sharpest mind is not better than a dullest pen. Rather, let me say that, refers that, right? Sharpest mind is not better than a dullest pen. Meaning that, you know, you can, you can, you may be smart, right? You know, you may be smart out here, right? But here's the thing, you know, you're not going to remember everything, right? You're all going to forget things in phases. You're going to only probably remember 15% of this information. So I hope that you took notes. Thing is, next thing you want to probably come out with a commitment, right? Some type of commitment that you're going to do better, whatever it's saving more money, you know, building your business, getting started, making things happen, right? And the last thing is have good faith, right? I think the challenge is we have, we lost our childlike enthusiasm. When we get older, you know, we get into this rush adult phase where we, you know, we feel like we have to be, you know, um, mature, quote, quote, and say that nothing could happen. Why? Because we want to be realistic. It's not that you don't make money being realistic. You gotta, gotta be creative and imaginary. So hopefully that helped. And, uh, you know, you know, if you have any questions, I'm sure you, you can get in contact with any of these, um, you know, lovely people here on and uh, they can definitely reach out. Yes. And we will definitely have his information of ways to contact Kareem um, down below in our informational box. Um, definitely, if you're looking for a financial advisor, yes, Kareem is located in the tri-state area of New York <laughs> City. However, I know for a fact he travels and he will get in contact with you, rather it's via Zoom, phone or whatever. So if you are looking for a financial advisor or if you just have more questions or better want to understand your finances, definitely reach out to him. You can reach out to us, but I'm going to be honest with you. We still don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, don't so- reach out to us. So um, we will leave his information below and we already shouted him out, Black Boy Magic. So just make sure that you're supporting Black-owned businesses and get as much information as you need. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Life After 25. Make sure you follow our Instagram and join our Facebook group for more content throughout the week. Set those alerts so you know when our next episode drops and look below in the description box. Don't let anyone steal your joy and have a blessed day, honey.